Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, but before we do, guys, we're enduring a lot of cold weather right now, at least here in the Chicagoland area, and for those who live in the Midwest and are enduring the cold weather with us, I'm sure there are probably some of our listeners that are And in nice the Northeast. And- Toasty. Oh, yeah. And in the Southeast right now. There's a lot of people, right? And some of you are probably enjoying some warmer weather, but right now we're freezing. And so I was wondering, how do you guys kind of like cope with this cold weather? For me, it is not so much the cold weather as much as is when there are consecutive days of gray. Mm. When there is not blue sky and sunshine, I start, my attitude starts to get funky. So I, I don't mind the cold. One of the ways I combat the cold is I, I shake my fist at Mother Nature. I don't wear a coat. So <laughs> okay. if you think about it, you have never really seen me in a winter coat. This is true. Uh, because I don't really wear one. It's one of my ways of shaking. I do. Yeah. I, I dress in layers and then I just wear a hat, like a stocking hat. So I'm wearing a baseball hat at work because I put on my winter hat when I'm outside and then I take it off and put on my baseball hat at work. And that's all I do. But if I go ice skating on my pond next to my house, of course, I'm, you know, in a jacket and that kind of stuff. So one is not wearing a coat. The other is every night I put a fire in the fireplace. I embrace the surroundings. So I open the, open the blinds in my family room so I can see the snow in my backyard. And I put a fire in the fireplace and I just embrace it instead of fighting it. I, I love wearing a sweater. So I'm almost excited when the weather gets cold enough to, to do it because I, I don't like the sweater for the warmth, but because of the weight, I just love the like coziness. It makes me feel like I'm not going to float off the ground kind of thing. And, uh, and so, well, not literally. Do you but often feel like you're going to float off the I ground? Just, it just, it's, it's nice to that's have a, the, the, the weight, uh, you know. He needs something to keep him grounded. That's you know? a completely different problem it, it is I mean, coping it is. with winter weather. But it's, it's the consolation of it's cold, so I should put on a sweater, but it means I get to have, you know, like a hug all the time. Oh. And then I also really appreciate, like when I have to shovel the snow, it, it's great to go outside and have the quiet of like, especially in the evening, you know what I mean? Like, no, like it's not like people are driving around or whatever. It's just like, just the, there's a like a deep quiet there. That's really, really nice. Yeah. I all I was just telling my wife about that a few days ago. How much I love it when it snows in the late afternoon, evening, and you're out shoveling at night because it's really bright out because mm-hmm. the snow's reflecting the moonlight and it's really quiet outside. I love that too, Clayton. I would, I would agree with that statement. I, what do you I do, do enjoy that. Um, I I love to wear hoodies. People would say that I, I, I do tend to wear hoodies all year round on most occasions, but they have a specialness to them when you wear them in the cold. Uh, but my heating pad, I love heating pads or like heated blankets. Just love to cozy up on the couch with one of those um, or in my bed. Just got to have something heated. Another thing that helps me is I love to attend Inspiring Stories Weekends at Christ <laughs> Community Church. They warm my soul. Hey, Clayton. Oh, my gosh. Does there that, happen that to was, be an Inspiring Stories Weekend coming that was up the that cheesiest. I might attend? The cheesiest segue we've ever had. Yes, there is an Inspiring Stories uh, coming up. It's actually really cool. Um, so we, uh, this is uh, Black History Month, and so we actually found a story that uh, went along uh, with, with uh, the, the month here. Uh, it's the story of two guys, a guy named Matt and a guy named Will. And uh, they met actually at uh, a rally at uh, on Martin Luther King Day at the Lincoln Memorial, and they became friends and got to know each other. And uh, over the course of time, they learned a bit about each other's family history and discovered that um, let, let me let me get it right. Matt's family mm-hmm. owned Will's family 
back in the 1800s. So um, one of them's black, one of them's white. And so uh, they kind of unpack this story. It, it changed their friendship because they kind of knew each other before that and then discovered this. And then they found all of these incredible connections and things that happened after that. It's a, a truly amazing story when yeah. you hear the whole thing unpacked. Uh, it's, it's really going to be a, a good one. When we talk about inspiring, this one definitely fits the bill. Yeah, so friends, Inspiring Stories Weekend is February 19th and 20th. You can join us for a weekend service at any one of our campuses, or if you're not close to our area, you can check us out on the website, cccLife.org. Eric, you are the common guy. What are we talking about? The Witch of Endor. (laughs) It is time for some kookiness in 1 Samuel. So we are in 1 Samuel chapter 28, and... What we're going to do for the C in the comma method, which is context, is very little to start. We're going to first read the passage, and then I'm going to fill in some background as we're having this conversation, because there's some weird stuff that happens here. I'll fill in some context in terms of how these things seem to happen uh, during these times, and I'm not going to explain anymore. It will become obvious as we read. So we are in 1 Samuel chapter 28, starting in verse 3. The heading of this is Saul and the medium at Endor. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel to set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so that I may go and inquire of her. There's one at Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes. And at night, he and two men went to the woman, consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one that I name. But the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. He's cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams, so I've called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why do you consult me, now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all that day and all that night. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your servant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. 
Now please listen to your servant and let me give you some food so that you may eat and have the strength to go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his men joined the woman in urging him and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had fattened, had a fattened calf in her house, which she butchered at once. She took some flour, kneaded it, and baked bread without yeast. Then she set it before Saul and his men, and they ate. That same night, they got up and left. Welcome to the kookiness <laughs> of this text. So, so you all know out there, we often pick the text from the week that we think will be the most challenging or the most confusing because we want the podcast to be helpful. And our guess is when you read this passage that you're going to have a thousand questions. So we thought it was, it was worth a conversation. So just a little bit of context here. Uh, and I am not going to try to situate this episode in the entire story of 1 Samuel. We're far enough long reading 1 Samuel uh, that we are just going to assume you know the general story, the general trajectory. You know who Saul is. You know who David is. You know that Saul got the kingdom taken away from him and that David was going to be the next king, that you know these things. Uh, so... Let's just talk for a few moments in terms of context about what the heck is going on here. So you have, it says in verse three, Saul had expelled the mediums and the spiritists from the land. So a little bit of context here. And if you have an NIV study Bible or any study Bible, you're going to see some cross-reference uh, notes there. And if you look at those, you'll, you'll realize that it was forbidden. The Israelites were forbidden to try to seek some kind of spiritual counsel from anyone other than Yahweh. So, so trying to connect with the spiritual realm, trying to somehow hear from spirits or false gods is strictly forbidden for the Israelites. So that is why Saul would have banned all the mediums and spiritists from the land. But interestingly enough, he also knows that even though he's done that, it's not going to be hard to find one. Yeah, there's there's a, a you know common thing throughout the Bible where uh, there's something that you know someone in good intentions tries to you know stamp out and uh, it just continues and you you often find like hey we did our best to do this and yet you know the next generation or when you need it it's there um, I, I think you you've probably seen modern <laughs> parallels to that the sort of things where you're like yeah I'm gonna get rid of this in my life but uh, there's always that you know you know stash of whatever you know yeah, creeps back in somehow. So continuing on with, with context, in verse 6, it says, Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams. So sometimes, so we have some categories here of the way the Lord Yahweh reveals himself to his people. One would be by dreams. It is possible that God communicates through dreams. The second is the Urim, Urim, or I never know how to pronounce that. Yeah, Ur- Ur- Urim? Urim, Urim and Thummim. It's it's not. It's kind of a tongue twister. Thummim, Thummim, yeah, Urim and Thummim. Okay, so these are the the rocks or the jewels that they put in the breastplate of the priest, and they're almost kind of like dice. No one really fully knows how these things functioned, but there was two of them, and somehow they would use these to try to discern the voice of the Lord, to discern the will of the Lord. Um, to us, it would feel a little bit like rolling dice. It's it's a it's, little magic eight ball. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like some form of yes, no, or try again. And uh, But again, there's no physical description of them, so we don't really know how it works. If, if you start Googling that and try to look for pictures, look for explanations of how it worked, you will get some sort of some sort of explanation, but at the end of any responsible explanation, it's going to say, we really don't fully know specifically how this worked. 
but it was some form of trying to discern the voice or the will of the Lord. That seems to be acceptable because it was part of the priest's breastplate and it was a common practice with the Israelites. Yeah, they, they refer to it offhand as if people just get it. And there are, there are plenty of occasions where it happens and, and the kind of casting lots before the Lord kind of thing. So we have the category of dreams. We have the category of what we just talked about, Urim and Thummim. And we have the prophets, that the Lord would speak to his people through his assigned prophets. So these are all ways that you could hear the voice of the Lord and hear the, hear the will of the Lord. What yeah. is... Go ahead, Clayton. Yeah, and for what it's worth, especially the Urim and the prophets, those are more things that are for the king. So it's not like every old person could just be like, I'm just going to cast some lots or I'm going to consult the prophet or whatever. Um, God was specifically guiding the nation of Israel with these things. And so it's probably worth it that it's really significant that Saul who's saying... As the king, I don't have access to these things. And that's how, if I was going to get guidance from God, I would get it. And it's not working. So whenever you're confused about something like, how did this work? I don't understand how that could be a legitimate way to discern the voice of the Lord. I always go back to what is super basic or really simple. One of the things to remind ourselves here is all of these things, whether it's dreams or the Urim and Thummim and the prophets, is people genuinely wanting to hear the voice of the Lord, the one true God, Yahweh. So when people are getting together and trying to say, we genuinely want to know what God wants to say to us, that's great. What's not so great is when you try to receive your direction, if you try to get some power or some discernment from something other than the one true God, if you start to try to connect with demonic forces, if you try to try to connect with the spiritual realm and you are doing it in a way that's either trying to engage false gods, which isn't going to get you anywhere because they're false. So you're doing a non thing, but there is also a spiritual realm with evil spirits, demonic forces. And if you try to start to tap into that, to get something that you should only ever try to get from the one true God, then you get into some real danger and it is strictly forbidden for the Israelites. So I think that's enough for context. Let's move on to observation, the O and the comma method. What do you see in this text? One of the things that I see is just this kind of like this repeating um, theme of like fear, terror, afraid, great distress, um, greatly shaken. Um, just there's a lot of there's a lot of like scary, scary kind of emotions going on in here. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Like it was, it's very strong emotions in there. And, and I, I connected it with the, the fact that Saul's not hearing from God. Like there is a, there's something terrifying when you realize, like, <laughs> I think at one point it says, God has become your enemy. You know what I mean? Either you're disconnected or God has become your enemy. Like that's a, that's a scary place to be doing life. And when you realize it, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. Even the fact too, like in verse three, it says now Samuel was dead. Like Saul was all alone. Like he didn't even have Samuel anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Saul wasn't really great at listening to Samuel, yeah. but he yeah. probably felt good having him around. Yeah. yeah. You know, even even like someone should just to, I'm going to talk to you and I know you're going to talk to me. I might not listen to you, but at least I know you're there. Like Someone's got your back. Yeah. Someone's telling you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. I don't know. Saul's a confusing dude. Yeah. He is. Um, what else do you see? One of the things I noticed is that we're in Endor, which made me, uh, you know, geek out. I'm looking for Ewoks, you know, here, Return of the Jedi, so... Seriously, who, who, someone else listening to this is thinking of that. Um, so actual observations here, um, there's a lot of sneaking around. So this is, this is all clandestine kinds of stuff. Um, you know, Saul is sneaking around. The, the, the medium, the woman here is trying to like, you know, 
not, you know, hey, I'm above board here, even though she really is operating kind of this, you know, uh, fortune telling thing going on. So there, there is a lot, like the whole environment is one of um, hiddenness. People know they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. They're trying to cover it up, um, which is a, like w- when you look at the story of Saul going from a guy who is chosen to be king to a place where now he's sneaking around his own country doing things that he outlawed. Um, it's that's quite a downfall. I know I said no more context, but here's an observation that kind of sneaks us backwards towards context. And it is, why why is this woman so insistent? Like, she knows she's a medium or a spiritist. She knows she's doing something wrong. But she's very hesitant to help Saul because she knows she could get into trouble. But it's not just trouble. Let's just remind ourselves, if you look at the cross-reference link for those verses and you go back to... I think it's Deuteronomy, maybe it's Exodus, where it is spelled out, what is the punishment in the Israelite community for being a medium or a spiritist to trying to connect with spirits in the spiritual realm? Yeah, you connect with the dead, you become one of the dead. Like it, you, That's it. Yes, so this is, this is death penalty kind of stuff. So she is, um, she's risking a bit here to help Saul. Yeah, another thing that I saw too is just, well, so what's interesting to me about, about the woman is that Saul swears to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. And I think to myself, like, why Why did that convince her? Like, oh, okay, well, yeah, okay, so you're not, like, God's not going to punish me if I do this because you, sw- whoever you are, you swore that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay? Like, it's just, it's just interesting. It's kind of like, you know, telling people what they want to hear just for the sake of them saying, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, it's weird to appeal to the Lord when you're doing something the Lord told you not, not to, do. to do. It's, it's right. just very, it's very mixed up. Um, all right, let me let me just say the obvious observation. Whatever she was trying to do here worked, right? Oh. So, like, call up Samuel and okay. So if if I hadn't had never heard the story before, and you stopped right as it said, call up Samuel for me, I'd be like, that's not gonna work. Like something's gonna you know something's gonna fail here or whatever, and but then it does. And Samuel shows up and they have a conversation and it's, it's super bizarre. You know what I mean? Like this is like, it's, it's weird enough to think about the other, you know, like the Urim and the prophets and all like, you're like, I don't know about that. But when, for lack of a better term, a ghost shows up to talk to somebody like that, I don't even have a lot of other stories like that in the Bible. You know what I mean? It's not like the Bible is full of things like this. This is pretty unique even for, you know, the weird stuff that you find in scripture. What do you guys think of it? I think it's bizarre. That's why we're talking about it in this episode. <laughs> because in, in my mind, you get into a few possible categories. So we know for sure, if you read the Bible enough, you become very convinced or aware of the fact that there is a spiritual realm. There are evil spirits or demons. There's angels. There's, there's fallen angels, which are demons. There's evil spirits. Like this, this is just things that are presented to us in, in the scriptures. We don't always know what to do with it. But we know it's there. Now, when people try to connect to that world, that's when it gets a little bit like, mm, I'm not so sure about this whole thing, how this whole thing works. So Saul visits this medium, says, connect, connect to a spirit. And she asks who? And he says, it almost feels to me like, um, Samuel. Samuel <laughs> normally gives me some good advice. Let's go with Samuel, right? And Samuel shows up. So what? And it says ghostly figure in the English translation. So you have some categories you have to deal with in your head to try to figure it out. Is this a ghost? Like, is this, 
Is it? see-through? Transparent? <laughs> yeah, That's like, what you're wondering? It's like, like it's a Slimer? Call Egon? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> are, there, are there really such things as ghosts? Like some, a human being who has died, can they actually present themselves on Earth as a ghost? Like the way people tend to talk about that. Like can a house be haunted by the spirit of a past person? That would be one category you have to deal with. The second would be, did God, like even though they're doing something forbidden and totally wrong because they're not seeking Yahweh, they don't want to hear the Lord's voice on this. But did God actually allow Samuel's spirit to come back and talk to them? That's a category. The third category is, no, no, they're getting completely messed with. You mess with the spiritual realm, you're going to get messed with. And so this is a demonic force that is masquerading as Samuel, completely messing with them. Like, and so you have so, to start So filtering. is it like, which, which of these is, is going on right yeah, now? Like yeah. You have to start putting this through a filter. And so let's just talk about that because it's a fun conversation. Wh- which one do you think is going on? I, th- I personally think it's the second one because I think... Um, which is you think it's really Samuel. I think it's really Samuel. Okay. I think that that God, even though they were doing something that they that it was forbidden and they shouldn't have been doing, I think that God in in I don't know his his wisdom and his ability to do what he wants that like he thought it would be a good thing to say okay I'm gonna let Samuel appeal, appear to you and tell you what you already know. But I'm gonna try to make this clear to you one more time that I no longer accept you as king. I'm taking things away from you, and this is how this is going to end for you. Like, this is your last definitive answer, and that's it. That's, that's what I think is happening. Yeah, I think I, I also think it's probably really Samuel uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, the, the, so the first category of ghost, um, we, we don't have any indication anywhere else in the Bible that when people are dead, that they are any place other than like the place of the dead. Like they're not they're not drifting around doing stuff, you know? You go and, you know, the different terms in the Bible, Sheol, Hades, all, you know, there's all, all sorts of terms for the place dead people are at after their, their body has died. Um, and they're awaiting judgment and those sorts of things. But it's not like they're drifting around, you know what I mean? Uh, just that, that comes from someplace other than the Bible where, where those ideas come from. But the... So I really think you're left with either God decided to let this happen, uh, and it's really Samuel, but but it's kind of a weird exception or something, um, or it is demonic. But when I look at the content of what happens, like the content of the conversation, and I say, why would a demon do the things that this figure does? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to fit, right? It doesn't feel like there's anything nefarious here. Like the the ghost of Samuel seems to be representing exactly what Samuel would say and what God would want Samuel to say, mm-hmm. you know, had he been alive, he would be saying these sorts of things. Um, and so I think, uh, I think that is like, I don't know what the rules are. You know what I mean? I don't know if this is like a random one-off exception or if there is some, you know, way that, you know, God allows people to get in contact. But the, the things that Samuel says are essentially, Saul, I told you when I was alive, you woke me up from a long nap and I'm angry now. <laughs> I told you once, do I have to tell you again? It's not going to go well for you. Like, I mean, it's this kind of thing. So um, so I, I, I feel like, and especially in the course of the story, like the author of Samuel is trying to prove the point. Saul just doesn't listen. Like again and again and again and again, even if you bring back the messenger from the dead, he's still not going to listen. Um, it feel, so I feel like it's got to be the genuine article in this. 
What the rules are behind that, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know. And, and, you should see Clayton's hand gesture yeah. on that one. <laughs> the, the, the woman, know. too. Like, mm-hmm. So there's a, there, I actually went and like looked at some footnotes and some commentaries because I want to know what people thought about this one. The woman is surprised. Like she, she screams. Is she screaming either because she really, it, it worked, you know, like, oh my gosh, normally this doesn't happen, or two, simply because she saw who it was? It seems like she's reacting like the sudden realization this is Saul. So does this sometimes work for her? I don't like it's it's bizarro. Like and, and it's a blank spot on the map. Like the Bible doesn't say, I know you're probably wondering, let me fill you in, you know? Um, it's weird. Yeah, for her it's the double whammy, right? Because it's Saul who is asking her to do this. And so she could be screaming because Saul is the one that would have the authority to put her to death for actually doing this thing. And then when Samuel shows up, if it is in fact Samuel, that's a double whammy for this woman. Yeah. And let's let's imagine for a second, like when you walk by, like, um, you know, if you, if, I don't know why I'm saying the beach because there's psychics everywhere, but they seem to be for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> there needs a, a higher population of psych, psychic readings at the beach. That's true. This might be one of my coping mechanisms <laughs> to think about the beach. Uh, and let's say they just know, like, what I do is a sham. I'm just putting on an act here. I'm not connecting with any real spirit in the spiritual realm, but then it actually happens. And so she might actually be surprised that something real is going on and it could possibly be freaking her out. Like, be careful. Like, hey, boys and girls, I would not suggest playing with that Ouija board Mm -hmm. because anything that you do that is any kind of effort to connect with the spiritual realm yeah, it's a dangerous game that you're playing. Yeah, I think I think one of the things when people think about this that confuses them is they'll they'll do one of two things. They'll say, um, "Okay, this thing I'm doing is is just whatever made up. You know, I'm just messing around." Um, or they'll think if I accidentally do something, I'll somehow stumble into you know demons or whatever. There there is something about the intention of someone to say I like. I'm reaching out for something more. I'm reaching out for this thing. And I'm not sure the mechanism is the is the real thing. Like whatever this woman did, I'm not sure it's like, yeah, I, I found the secret of getting in touch with the dead. I think it's her intention to say, I want to be in touch with something more. And so that's something more, which like we've said, you're talking about evil, evil things, um, says, I'll get in touch with you. You know what I mean? You want to be in touch? <laughs> Let's be in touch. Um, and so like it's any practice that is a way of saying, I want to have access to this. That's opening yourself up to say, all right, we'll give you access. And you don't want that in the, in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, am, I am in the camp of it is Samuel for some of the reasons you guys articulated. Uh, I'm looking at verse 20. It says, immediately Saul, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. The writer of this yeah. seems to think it was Samuel or seems to be writing it in a way to have the readers think it was Samuel. So the writer of this is is pretty convinced it was Samuel. The other thing that convinced me convinces me it was Samuel is what Clayton already spoke to, which is the consistency of the message. It's all the things that Samuel had already said. And if, if you start to use adjectives for what we know uh, from the scriptures about uh, Satan, who is the father of lies, and the kinds of things that evil spirits tend to do, well, one, they're always lying. Uh, 
They try to create deception, discouragement, depression, confusion, chaos, right? There's there's always there's always those things going on when you have demonic forces, evil spirits in play. This seems to be very clear, very truthful, very straightforward, very honest, which would seem to be the exact opposite of what you would expect from demonic forces, evil spirits. Um, so that's what convinces me that it's that it is in fact Samuel, and that God and His sovereignty mm-hmm. just said, "All right, these none of none of these people are doing what they're supposed to be doing, but I'm going to show up in this instance." Yeah. Some of you are listening to this, and you are just really wigged out. Like it's just <laughs> it, this is just too weird for you. Um, and so it makes me think of um, you ever uh, you know you, you seen those like. Uh, uh, bumper sticker slogans or whatever you'd have to be in another city but like keep portland weird keep austin weird you ever see yeah. those things it's th- i i ha- i have a thought of like we got to keep the bible weird like there is something that people react to um where they go to the bible and they say i really just want some advice i want some you know some inspiration or something and then they stumble upon something that's just bizarro and they're and so they just try to avoid it and they're like i um mm, not what i came for you know what i mean like this is this is not it um, there are other people who um, they see those things and they're just obsessed with them. Like they speculate, oh, like this, you know, this and this, and, this, and they just get fixated on those things. Um, it's neither of those reactions is really helpful when you come across something like this. Um, what? It, it, but the, you've got to start with keeping the Bible weird before you get to the now it's relevant to my life. Like there's a little bit of walk through the bizarro until you get to some sense of understanding of what's going on. Um, and then it becomes relevant. Like if you try to skip that, you're probably going to misunderstand what's going on. But if all you do is fixate on that, you're probably also going to misunderstand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like in the end, like this is a story about Saul and his character and his decisions and choices, not a story about ghosts and demons and spirits and so on. Um, but you got to go through the weird to get to the, the stuff that's more personally applicable. All right, let me hitch my wagon to that train. If there is a Holy Spirit... And people are like, you read, you read the Bible and you say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we seem to readily accept that. But if there's a Holy Spirit, wouldn't it not then stand to reason that there would be such thing as unholy spirits or evil spirits or angels? We love the thought of angels, that they exist. We're not sure what, exactly what they do, but the Bible tells us that they're part of God's created order. But if there's angels, there could also be fallen angels. God himself is spirit. Like, so we, we have these categories, but we only seem to be okay with them in the good category, like the spiritual realm, only the good, but we know that there's good and evil and we never really know what to do with the spiritual realm. The Bible tells us just enough to live our lives and to acknowledge that it's there um, and that it's part of God's created order, but it doesn't so, go so far to give us specificity on how it all works and all the details. That's why I always get very... Uh, I get, always get very nervous around like people who will do extensive training on how to cast out a demon. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I've read my Bible a lot. I have never found a manual like step one, step two, step three, step four. What the Bible tells us is they exist and Jesus has all authority over them. And therefore the believer who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them has authority over demonic forces. Yeah. There, I, it reminds me of a, a story in the book of Acts where there's a bunch of guys that are like professional exorcists. So they th- they're doing all this stuff of saying, here's the techniques, here's the things you do. And they pick up that Paul has a authority over demons. Like he's that he's casting demons out. And and so they're like, oh, he says in Jesus' name. So they kind of pick it up as like a formula, like a, like a little trick that you can use. 
and they go and try and cast out a demon. There are a bunch of demons in there, and the demons actually go, well, Paul, we've heard of, and we definitely know Jesus. Who the heck are you? And they, like, beat him up. And so, like, the point is not the technique. The point is the relationship with God that would give you the authority. And it's not, it, other, otherwise, there's not much to speculate about. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the M in the comma method. Let's go with message. We always say that the, the two M's in comma are interchangeable. You can either try to draw out a message, which is you're, you're asking yourself in like one sentence, how could I boil down what I'm reading today into one message? Um, so you can either start with the message and then move into meditation, or you can spend some time in meditation, which is just prayerful thinking, to get to your message. Today, we're going to go message first. So what message can you draw from this text? My message uh, comes from my observations of just seeing the emotions uh, in here. And my message is don't let fear and distress lead me away from God. Um, There are a lot of distressing things like that can pop up in everyone's day-to-day lives. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of things that are distressing that are popping up in the world right now. But what do we turn to when those things happen? when we experience those things, you know, God wants us to turn to him, but this story shows that God wants us to turn to him in all ways, to trust him in all ways, not just in, not just in the times when we're experiencing fear and distress. Uh, The message I got out of this um, is sometimes you can't get around the consequences of your sin. So Saul is here realizing he's, he's toast. Like the Philistines are coming and God's not answering him and the kingdom has been taken away and all, you know, he, it's not, it's not like he's really wondering what's going on. It's not like, oh, how did I get into this situation? It's been said again and again and again. And now he finds himself in this weird, like scheming place to say, I wonder if there's a way I can get around this, like that I can somehow evade the thing I was warned about, the thing that was explained to me, the thing that I didn't, you know, (laughs) do anything to repent of. And now I'm paying the price. And I want to I want to try to evade that. And so he's doing even more things that are wrong, in order to try to get around the consequences of his sin. Um, so I like obviously you know with all of the big context of the Bible, like there is forgiveness and redemption and those sorts of things. But when it comes down to it, there are there are times when we have done things that the fallout of that is something you cannot just sidestep around. You can't avoid. So um, it's a heavy message, but sometimes you can't get around the consequences of sin. My message is that the creator of the universe wants to be known, and he speaks. He doesn't always speak the same way. Sometimes it's in dreams. Sometimes it was with the Urim and Thummim as they try to discern the Lord's will. Sometimes it's through people, his prophets. He's speaking us through the written word, the inspired word of God. The God that created us and created the universe wants to be known, and he speaks, and we can, we can hear him. All right, so now we're going to move into meditation, which is prayerful thinking. And so in the podcast episode, we take 45 seconds. And so we're going to latch on to one message today. We're going to go with Clayton's. So Clayton, if you would repeat your message, uh, and then we're going to go 45 seconds of meditation. Sometimes you can't get around the consequences of your sin.
All right, we're moving on to the A in the comma method, which is application. It's the so what question. What are you going to do about what you just read? You guys are looking at me because I dropped the heaviest message on you. <laughs> You're not getting around your sin, listeners. Um, so here, here's the thing. I, I don't know exactly how Saul should have gone about doing this, but I, I imagine that something like saying... I'm sorry. I'm going to. I'm going to take the consequences. Like he's instead of doing the the fighting and kicking and screaming, stepping aside from from being king. So I don't. I don't have particular things in my mind where I'm like, oh man, I have been just like, here's here's what I've done, and I I, I got to No, I do it. But there are there are things even on small levels every day, where you realize, man, I just I just did something that you know, was really offensive to another person or I, I was, I, I was, you know, dismissive in this way or whatever, these like small things that you go through your day and you sort of, uh, you, you go a little, you kind of realize they're wrong, but you might go about kind of justifying yourself or kind of acting like, well, maybe it was the other person or, you know, whatever. Um, those are the moments when you got to say, no, actually, I'm sorry. I made, I, I made a mess there. I, I, you know, didn't do that thing I was supposed to. I, I was wrong when I said that. And, there's like some pain in that, but it's ownership of it rather than than trying to evade and, and justify and that sort of thing. So I think recognizing and embracing the times when I say, nope, I know I did wrong. I just got to own it. Take your lumps quickly. Take your lumps quickly. That's a good way to put it. Thanks. You're normally the one that has those pithy little <laughs> application statements. Uh, my application, based on my message of not letting fear and distress lead me away from God, is... Uh, evaluate who and what I'm, I'm more likely to, to turn to in distressing times. So, you know, I think with, with Saul, when he was experiencing fear and distress in his desperation, when he couldn't, when he couldn't hear God or he couldn't sense him, he turned to something else. And I think in a lot of cases, we can find ourselves doing that too. We can turn to friends, we can turn to uh, distractions, even even not wanting to deal with the fear and the stress, not face it. You can find something else to distract you from it completely, and it doesn't. It never goes away. You just never deal with it, and then it comes back, and it's probably even worse than what it was last the first time. And so, for me, it's it's thinking about how do I deal with distressing things, paying attention to how I respond, and asking, am I am I turning to God when I need to be turning to God, like in these these moments, or am I turning to something else? And if I'm turning to something else, why? What's what's behind that? Uh, my application is to listen for the voice of the Lord. And that could be in, in a few categories, right? It's when you're reading the Bible and you remind yourself, they say, whenever you're reading the Bible, the author is right there with you. The, the Bible is living and active. It's the inspired word of God. So it's the creator of the universe communicating with us. Uh, we also heard in a, a recent sermon at Christ Community about listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that sometimes the Spirit, who is our helper, who has come to dwell on the inside of those who surrender their lives to Christ, God is constantly communicating. He wants to help, guide, direct. And so whether it's reading the Word or promptings from the Holy Spirit, or there's this third category. This is the one we tend to not like. Sometimes God, by his spirit, has another person share something with you that you really need to hear. Sometimes it's encouragement. Sometimes it's like correction. And that's the one we don't like because we often say, well, who are you to tell me that? Uh, unless it's encouraging, then we readily accept it. Um, but whether it's reading the Bible or pro inner promptings from the Holy Spirit or a spirit-directed conversation from another believer, I want to hear the voice of the Lord. That's good stuff. 
All right, friends, uh, thanks for listening to us this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. In the meantime, if you're not reading along, you can find the plan at BibleSavvy.com. Download it and start reading along with us. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.